I'm Lynn Wolf, and welcome to this edition of our Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series, Dealing with Conflicting Personalities and Difficult Situations. Dealing with conflict can put a strain on the everyday activities of a dealership and keep it from reaching its full potential. In this podcast, Sarah Hay, Vice President of Operations and Development at Bob Clements International, explains what contributes to conflicts and what you can do about it. This podcast is brought to you by Yanmar. I encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribing means you will receive an alert about upcoming episodes when they are released. Thank you to Yanmar for bringing us this podcast. Don't settle for less when you can have more. Yanmar makes all its compact tractors major drivetrain components, the Yanmar engine, transmission and axles all in-house. You and your customers get a hardworking machine with more usable horsepower, less power loss, and a smoother, more comfortable ride. Yanmar's tractors are designed to work as hard as you do for a lifetime. Strengthen your dealership today with Yanmar. Email them at agmarketing at yanmar.com or call 770-877-9894. It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that if people just did things your way, everything would be better. The reality is that you may change people for the short term, but it's not a long-term fix. We can't change people or situations, but we can change how we react. Sarah Hay shares comments on understanding personality types and motivators so you can better handle difficult situations. Well, thank you for talking with us, Sarah. You have brought up a very interesting topic, the idea of difficult people and and difficult people are everywhere and they're definitely part of business. And I know you've mentioned in discussions that I've heard that you can't change them, but you can change how you react. Can you comment on that? Yeah, absolutely, Lynn. You know, you're exactly right. You can't change people, but how you react to a situation is what you have control of. I think the first thing that you have to understand is how you handle situations personally. For myself, I would classify myself as a chronic fixer. When I see a problem or a situation, my natural inclination is to help people. But I also think that everyone would be better off if they just did things my way. I'm sure some of the dealers would agree, right? If you just did things my way, your life is going to be so much better. But here's the deal. As you think that way, you'll realize that you can change people for just a moment, but it's not a long-term fix. So as you're encountering difficult people in difficult situations, it's important to realize that the only actions you're responsible for are your own. But for us to understand this, we have to dive a little bit deeper to understand ourselves. So psychologists have been studying human behavior for so long, and there have been a few things that have been consistent through all of the years. And one of them is the fight or flight response. I'm sure you're familiar with this. It's out all over. So in a stressful situation, you either fight, right? You want to attack the situation or flight. In the 90s um, in Atlanta at the Olympics, there was this bombing. And what psychologists discovered from this situation is that there was this third group of people And they have this response of freezing, right? So the majority of people were fight or flight. But there was this 15% group of the population that just 
froze. They literally couldn't make any movement with their body and they were just debilitated, right? So, so we have to understand when we come into a situation, what is our natural tendency? So first, if your natural tendency is to fight, you have to have a plan in place to calm yourself down, right? Because if you are saying someone comes in to your dealership or you have an employee, your natural inclination is going to be to protect either your employees or to protect the other people around, and you're going to go into that fight mentality. But you have to come up with a plan on how to calm yourself. There's a few different strategies um, you can do, but here's the thing with the fight, flight, or freeze response. Your body is not actually working in the way that it normally does. You are almost dissociated from your body in this moment. And so you've got to find ways to bring yourself back to your core. So one of the ways that you can fight the fight response is to take a few deep breaths. Give yourself a set amount of time and say, I'm going to take deep breaths for 10 seconds or 20 seconds, whatever it may be, and get myself ready to engage in this conversation. Because it goes back to what we said. We can't change the people, we can't change the situation, but we can change how we react. The next thing is your natural tendency is flight or you want to leave when conflict comes up. You have to have a plan in place to engage in the situation, right? You know, as we're saying this, you're probably like, oh, conflict, this is scary. Like, it's probably uncomfortable right now as we're talking about conflict and how to deal with it. Like, that's that flight response you want to leave. Here's another thing psychologists have found. One of the ways you can wake up your body and have a uh, start thinking through how to respond is by holding something that's either hot or cold right? We're trying to turn our body back on to understanding how we're supposed to respond in the situation. So if your tendency is to leave when a stressful situation happens and just not engage, you've got to have a plan in place to engage in the situation. Third is this freeze response. And I said about 15% of the population fall into this last category. If you find yourself falling into this category of when you're in a stressful situation, your hands become clammy, you can't even find words, you know, some people even go as far as fainting in this situation, you've got to have just a plan on how you're going to react. And one of the best pieces of advice I've heard from someone saying how to deal with the freeze mentality is to simply ask yourself the question, what would I tell a friend to do in this situation? Take yourself out of the picture and put yourself in the third party. You know, so, so those are the three things I would say in, as we're understanding ourselves and how we are only responsible for our actions because we're going to be able to change the people, but we are able to change how we react. But the last part of this is that none of these things should be tried for the first time while you're in a stressful situation, right? This is something that before a situation comes up, we have to have a plan in place and we need to be willing and ready to practice this so that when the situation comes up, we're ready to engage in a positive way. Yeah, that's very interesting. I hadn't heard about the freeze response. And, you know, I just think about different situations and the way people react in business. And there's different levels for how they do the fight or flight or freeze, but they definitely fall within those categories. So that's great to just think about that when you're faced with a situation. And, and you have also talked just about how personality types and how that influences how people deal with difficult situations. Can you explain more about those personality types and other things like motivators and, and how dealers should be aware of those? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I think is really interesting, and, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this in or not, but when you hang around somebody, and even if it's just for a few minutes and you feel completely drained being around them, and you go, why in the world am I so exhausted? I've been around this person for 10 minutes. Why is that? You know, I, I experience that often. And the truth is, is we are just so fundamentally different than other people, right? And being around people who are not like ourselves is draining. And I think that's a really interesting thing. So in regards to personality, um, I'm a big fan of the DISC behavior assessment. And it looks at each of the personalities and our behaviors and how someone reacts in any given situation. And there's four of them. So it follows the letters of DISC. So first we have our drivers. A driver is somebody who wants something done now, right? This may be someone who comes up to the parts counter. They don't say much to you other than, I need this part, and, and then they take it and leave, right? Like that's the whole interaction of someone who's a driver. And I always like to think about these different personalities in regards to TV show characters, because I think it's just funny, right? And in The Office, which is one of my very favorite TV shows of all time, the person who is a driver in the office is Dwight Schrute. He's focused on beats, fairs, and Battlestar Galactica. And if it's not focused on one of those things or making sales, he's not really interested. So the D is our driver, and they want it done now. Second is I for influencer. A common phrase that they would say is, let me explain. If a, part, if a customer came up to your parts counter, and they were a high I or an influencer personality, they're the ones who would say, well, here's the part I need, but let me explain what happened to my equipment that I need this. It becomes a 15-minute conversation. And not that you don't want to have a 15-minute conversation at your parts counter, but we preach transaction time, transaction time, transaction time. And that messes up our transaction time a little bit. And so it's important to be able to recognize someone who is an influencer personality. If we look back at the office, the person who's the influencer personality is Michael Scott, right? He is the one who's in everybody's business all the time, distracting them from what they're actually supposed to do, but he's a very likable character for the most part. So we've got our D, the driver, our I, the influencer. The third one is the steady. This is somebody who wants to know what the plan is. This is a customer who's most likely to go ahead and buy your extended service agreement on their equipment. That's the steady customer. And the person in the TV show, The Office, that's most like a steady personality would be Phyllis Vance, right? She's always there, always consistent, doesn't like conflict, but she's there and doing what she needs to do. So the D is the driver, the I is the influencer, the S is the steady, and then our final one is the compliant personality. Their favorite phrase or a phrase they would say often is, do you have documentation? This person probably also bought the extended service agreement, but they're bringing it in. They have it printed off and they're bringing it in to show you where in there in the agreement it says that you need to fix their equipment. They are always looking for the documentation and always have that together. In the office, since we're going back to these characters, the character who is most a compliant personality would be Angela in accounting. She always is following all the rules to the T, and then she lets other people know if they're not following them. And so I think it's really interesting because when you look at behaviors, you see where conflict could arise. If you take someone who is a driver personality 
and then put them with someone who is a compliant personality. So we have somebody who wants it done now. And then we also have someone who wants all of the information, the documentation, there's going to be conflict there. And it's going to be draining for a driver, a D personality to be around a C personality. So I think that's one of the interesting things that we have to be aware of other people around us and how they're different from us. The other thing, we, you briefly touched on motivators, Lynn, and I think that's another important thing that we need to understand. Motivators are simply what drives people to do what they do, right? We have our behaviors, how we're acting, but what is the reason they're doing? And one of the easiest ways that I understand and see motivators in action is in regards to compensation. And this goes across all the board and all the different areas that you could but it's just be a quick plan in regards to compensation. I was talking with um, the person who does accounting at our office, and we're just we're in the place of revamping our compensation packages for our employees, just like so many of you are as dealers too. So, so on these, um, there are different. They're all on a continuum. So every motivator is on a continuum, and it's important to recognize that. So there's not anybody who's ever not on this continuum in some way, shape, or form. So I was talking with Natalie in our office just about this the other day. We were talking about compensation plans. And she said, you know, as we're developing bonus time, bonuses, we should factor in time off. We should give our people more time off, right? And this is because she is someone who is a very traditional personality. She values time off with her kids and her grandson. And that is an incredible um, bonus for her. Whereas for me, like, I would just much rather have a check because I can't, I have such a hard time turning off my work brain and, and just enjoying time off that I end up coming back into the office anyway, right? And so for her, what is a motivator for her is not the same motivator for me. And I think that's the other part of this. We've got our behaviors, which is our personality through the disc. And then we have our motivators and what pushes people in that direction. So as we're dealing with our employees and our customers, we need to understand that not only are the behaviors different, somebody could have exactly the same behavior as you, but have a different motivator. And that changes that dynamic of everything. What an interesting training exercise to just have dealers, you know, go through with their employees and have them just simply identify what their personality types might be. And um, that could be a great way to, to just handle some early conflicts right there. Absolutely. And we have had so much, it's been so interesting to walk alongside dealerships who have done just that. Um, and so eye-opening for so many dealers where they say, oh, that's why they're like that. Like normally they drive me, this person drives me crazy. But as I look at personality, it all makes more sense. And then you can have better conversations with your employees and, and be able to engage with them and actually uh, even compensation, I mean, I brought that up earlier, but you're able to really um, say, you know, I know that you like to learn, so let's find ways to put learning into your job more and make it a better situation for the employees, too. So it's a really fascinating thing. We'll rejoin the discussion, but I did want to take a moment and again thank our sponsor, Yamar, for making this program possible. Yanmar continuously strives to exceed customer expectations and deliver exceptional lifetime value. Visit them at yanmartractor.com backslash new dealer inquiry. So far in this podcast, Sarah Hay has talked about how to identify personality types so you can better understand their perspectives. 
and along with understanding the personality type, you need to uncover what motivates an employee or customer. By understanding these two factors, you can better address conflict. Let's get back to the program and hear more about what you can do to minimize the potential for conflicts as well as to de-escalate tense situations. You've also talked in different presentations about the idea, going back to the difficult person topic, is that, you know, whatever dealers, whatever they don't address, they allow. Can you talk about that in terms of that whole dynamic of dealing with a difficult person or situation? Yeah, you're, you're spot on. Whatever you don't address as an owner or a manager, you are making the choice to allow in your business. And I think that's one of the things that so many dealers and owners who are owners or managers in these dealerships are just so busy constantly fighting fires that they don't want to sit there and try to deal with every little thing. But when you don't address the problems, you are allowing them to continue. So if you have uh, been around BCI, Bob Clements International, for any length of time, you'll know that we are just nuts about processes, processes in every way, shape, or form. We talk about processes and service, whole goods. We talk about it in hiring, but processes go down to how we address and deal with difficult customers, difficult employees, or difficult situations. So there are some employee processes I want you to make sure that you have in place in order to get in front of the situation. Because this is the concept of firefighters, right? Um, at our office, at least, we have firefighters who come in every six months to make sure that our fire extinguisher is here and that we're up to code so that if there is a situation, they know that what they're walking into versus just managing chaos. And that's the thing with dealers and dealerships as well. I want you to have your processes in such a way that you know that while there is going to be a challenging situation, there's always challenging situations in business, but that you are not walking into chaos. You're walking into controlled chaos, right? Because you have the processes in place and, and that makes a big difference. So employee processes, employee reviews. I mean, I think that is one of the most underserved areas that dealers um, have. And I get it. Time is not something that dealers have a lot of. But if you are not having at least biannual employee reviews, employee reviews every six months with each one of your employees, you're just asking for chaos and trouble. But the other thing with employees reviews is that an employee should never hear about positive performance or negative performance for the first time at these reviews, right? Because we are needing to address behavior issues when it begins. And that has to be part of our process, right? So if something comes up, we need to have a plan in place for how we are going to address behavior issues with our employee and how we're going to continue to follow up with them. Have a, a, a process in place for gossip, right? I mean, it happens. You know, it goes, you go, holy smokes, are we still in middle school sometimes when we hear stories about the gossip and things that are happening at dealerships and employees turning employees against management? It, I mean, it can just get to be a mess. So you have to have a plan in place as a dealer or owner or manager of how you're going to address gossip and how you're going to deal with that. And then last but not least is the process of having an employee handbook. An employee handbook is simply your HR process all written out. So this goes through how do you deal 
uh, with bad behavior? What's your cell phone policy? What's the dress code? What does time off look like, right? It covers a wide array of things. But the thing is, as you are trying to get in front of situations, a process of having an employee handbook takes a lot of question out of the situation and gives some clarity. So that's what I would say for employees. Those are the processes we need to have in place to minimize chaos around employees. On the flip side, let's talk about the customers. What processes do we need to have in place for customers? First, have a conversation with your team about not overselling your products or your services, right? There is probably nothing that drives a customer more than crazy more than hearing you say, oh, this is what you're going to get. And they're just trying to make a sale or just trying to do that. And, and most of the time, when these people are not trying to scam a customer. They're really trying to come alongside and help. But we can't oversell our products or services. And we want to make sure there is a process for communication with a customer. I was uh, recently talking at the GIE Expo just about this exact thing about customer processes. And I had asked the question to the group. I said, how many of you have had a piece of equipment in your, in your shop from a customer for more than two weeks and never called them once? Right. And there were probably 10 to 15 hands that went up um, slowly and ashamed. Right. And it wasn't something to shame people about. That wasn't what I was trying to do. But there becomes a breakdown in communication. And we have to have a process in place because the quicker we can make sure we are communicating with our customers, the better its situation is going to be and the less room there is going to be for a difficult situation to even arise because we are dealing with situations as they come up. All excellent points, definitely. So we've talked about understanding personality types and looking at motivators and influencers and then the idea of, of this process. And um, But then always there's some situations that keep going and keep escalating. And um, can you share your comments then and, and strategies for then how to deal that with, with that when you think you're all prepared and they still escalate? Right, right. Well, I'm sure none of these dealers ever have anyone who becomes in and is just furious, right? And so I'm just kidding. But it, it all comes back to having a plan in place. And even when we feel like we have the best plan in the world, it may not always work. But so here are some of the things that I would recommend you do. Um, you, as an owner or manager, have to project calmness in the situation. And you, most of the time when these situations are happening, they're moving so fast, and you've got to take a step to slow the situation down. And what I recommend dealers do in having a plan in place for this is we are going to take a legal pad or a piece of paper and a pen, and as the customer is upset, we're going to say, all right, let me take some notes on this. Number one, it shows to the customer or the employee that you care. But number two, it physically slows the situation down and allows everyone to take a step back and breathe because you are taking time to write down the problem. And so that's the first thing I would say is that we need to project calmness with our customer or an employee who is upset and need to take control of the situation and slow it down. The next thing I would say is we need to co-agonize. And, and that's simply by saying something to the extent, extent, if I were you, I'd be upset too. Right. If you were in their shoes, you would be upset as well. So maybe it's a customer who comes up to the counter and says, I dropped off my piece of equipment three weeks ago. I've called four times. No one's returned my call. 
and now I need it. Like you, and so there's the thing, you know, in the situation, you're not admitting that you're wrong, right? You're not admitting that your people screw, screwed up. But you just said, if I were you, I would be upset too, right? And, and that goes a long way because they say, you know what? You get it. You're on my team, right? So the other part of this, the, the last part of how, what are some strategies for this? If we want to move them to a neutral location. Have a plan in place of where you want them to physically move in order to get them out of the way of other customers or other employees and move them physically from one location to another. Again, this goes to slowing down our situation. We want to move them so that they have a moment to have clarity in their mind about what's actually going on so that you can have a conversation with them and get to the bottom of the problem. Excellent. Those are all points that really dealers can can put into place right now as they're right as soon as they, um, you know, stop listening to this podcast. So all excellent points and definitely all things that dealers are facing every day in different levels. So is there anything in terms of this idea of difficult people that we uh, haven't covered in this podcast that you wanted to share with our dealers? You know, I think the biggest thing, Lynn, is that this all goes together. I mean, like each of these parts, like you can improve on and, and continue to grow with, yes, but it all is so interconnected. You have to understand how you react to a situation before you can do anything to change the rest of it. Then you have to understand how other people are processing information and how that's working and then making sure you have the processes in place. You can't really do one of these and have a successful resolution to a problem. You've got to have them all together. Thank you again to Sarah Hay for sharing strategies for dealing with conflict. For instance, Sarah says that having written processes, such as an employee handbook, fosters understanding of what is expected and allowed. She also advises dealers to conduct employee reviews every six months and to handle situations as they arise and not save them for the review. In situations when you are dealing with difficult customers, Sarah advises projecting calmness, co-agonizing with them, and trying to slow down the situation. For instance, take notes to show that you are interested in resolving their complaints. You can't avoid difficult situations and chaos, but these steps can help you have more control. Again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Yanmar, for helping make this Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series possible. And please share your feedback on today's program by sending me an email to lwolf at lessitermedia.com or call me at 316-648-3717. You can keep up on the latest rural equipment news and trends by registering online for our e-newsletter and following us on Twitter and Facebook. Stay tuned for additional podcasts from our experts and from dealers. From all of us at Rural Lifestyle Dealer, I'm Lynn Wolf, and thanks for listening. Music